What's going on, everybody? Daryl Freighter, the club CEO here, and we have another amazing episode of the My DJ Story podcast brought to you by the Club app, the number one online community for DJs where you can build your career online. And today we have my brother DJ Cass here to tell his DJ story. Brother, can you please introduce yourself to the people who you are and where you're from? Hey, Daryl, thank you for that great introduction. My name is Eric Casillo, but I go by the name of DJ Cass, and I'm over here in Los Angeles, California. Wonderful, brother. So we're super excited to hear your story. You know, take us to the beginning. Tell us, you know, what brought your interest to DJing and how you got started. <laughs> um, what got my interest in DJing was going to my first ever um, electronic music festival. So my biggest mistake that I did was my biggest ever festival was EDC 2015. So from there on, going to that, seeing how all these DJs were making the crowd move, everyone was jumping, having a good time, that kind of motivated me. And then the one DJ that stood out to me and blew my mind was Calvin Harris. And and during my college days, because I was still three years in, three, I needed three more years to graduate. So I joined the radio station. Like, I always, like, if you have an interest in music, you would pursue something that is related to that. So why not join the school's radio? And then there was DJs there. And then I started hanging out with them more. They started telling me download Serato DJ. So I started doing that. I didn't have a mixer. So I spent hours just getting familiar with the software, adding cue points. And by the time one of the DJs was selling their mixer, I bought it. It was like the SX2 back then. The SX3 didn't come out. So I got it for steel, 500 bucks. The only thing was that the jog wheel screen was kind of cracked, but that thing got me through so many gigs. Like when I had to upgrade to another, when I upgraded to the SX3, I kind of teared up a little bit because I just remembered all the gigs I did with it. But from there on, I just started like learning. I would lock myself in my room, like maybe six, five or six hours a day. And I'll just learn how to transition, mix, do everything by ear and not rely on the screen as much. And then from there on, I kind of met my DJ buddy, Jesse, where he's go by, he goes by the name of Jesse Works. And then he's a turntablist. So he would DJ on turntables. And then our first gig together, like my first ever gig, like this was like one month into like hardcore, like five, six hours a day, one month of just DJing, just by myself, like no one, no one would come in. You would just see me with headphones, just like messing around. We played at the six to six night market, which is like a little food and they sell beer, but it's mainly food where you go and try out different foods and they have a little side stage. And that's what I did that I did. I performed on the side stage and then me and Jesse just switched back and forth. And then he started taking me on more of his gigs because he was a mobile DJ. And then back then I was just hardcore electronic music. That's like, no, I'm just going to do EDM, EDM. But then he taught me that, no, you got to be open format where you know how to play hip hop music. You got to know how to play reggaeton. You got to know how to play like rock and Spanish because most of our gigs we're, his, we're mainly Hispanics where we did quinces, we did weddings. So that kind of branched me out of like, you know what? I can't just stick to EDM. I started branching out to different genres. Like I already knew like funk rock because of my dad, reggaeton because of my sisters. Like I already, I already was hearing that already. So that kind of like made me like, okay, I know how to, I know these genres. How can I make my sets interesting? And we started going to Beat Junkies, which um, if some people aren't familiar with Beat Junkies, these guys were like famous turntablists in the 90s. Like they competed in the DMCs. I know um, they were affiliated with DJ Craze, A-Track, um, DJ, 
one of my instructors was DJ Chuck and he was known for being on Power 106. So this is all within a year where I was basically a bedroom DJ. Within a year, I DJed at a food festival and I started doing mobile DJing. I started getting into scratching and then back to the food festival at the 626, um, they started having a main stage and we got on. And that's what kind of motivated me more that my ideal goal when I started DJing is like, I want to be like Count Harris playing these festivals. But in reality, you got to know people to be doing that. So I started branching out to different things, doing mobile DJing where I'm like, let me try playing clubs and bars, which I did. But I got out of it because at the end of the day, they just want sales. They don't care about the music where I actually like bringing different sounds. I like scratching. I like keeping things interesting. And then once I graduated from my college in, in here in California called Casterlay, I took a year off just focusing on music production, even though I got a bachelor's in kinesiology, which I wanted to do physical therapy, which is how does physical therapy music correlate? It's like, well, all my life I played music. I've been a trumpet player. I was a guitar player. And then going into college, I just stuck to DJing. And then kinesiology has always been a part of me where I've always played sports. I wanted, I got into it because how do you help athletes recover from an injury? I want to do that. And, but music, I'm never going to give it up. Like it's always been a part of me. So that year that I graduated in 2018, I spent a whole year just focusing on auto engineering. And then I went to the school called Symmetry, which one of their big students, she used to be the girlfriend of Maluma and Maluma is a famous reggaeton artist. Her name is Natalia. I forget her last name, but yeah, that's one of our students that is that came out of that program. And another one called Marvo, he's affiliated with Armin's, Armin Van Buren's label. So you could see like some of the students coming out of even Rikisan. Rikisan has played EDC and other festivals as well. So I joined that school and having no music production background, all I knew was just using my ear and just mixing in key basically. And through that, I started doing music production and I formed this group called Just Cause. Like I even have the hat where in, in the shirt where it's, it's like, why is, you, why is your name Just Cause? And it's basically, it's like doing what we want, like not letting people restrict us. Like if you want to play this type of genre, you do it. If you want to play this type of gig, you do it. And then through that group, um, through my school, we ended up playing at Coachella 2019 at uh, the K-Rock stage. So through all, this is in the span, because I started DJing in 2016 in the span of almost three to four years, I've already done parties, backyard parties. I've done corporate events. I've done clubs. I've done um, food festivals. And now I'm playing at Coachella. It's like, what the wow. heck? Yeah. So that's been my journey where I'm all over the place and I just love having fun. And then through music production, I released an album last year where it's house music, reggaeton. And right now my favorite thing to mess around, the genre to mess around with is retro synth, which The Weeknd, Dua Lipa and Miley Cyrus, they're known for that. And that's the type of genre I like incorporating right now in my sets. Wow, that is an amazing intro, brother. I think that you are on a fantastic journey. You're very young and you're doing so much so soon. It's truly amazing to see how fast that you're growing. And you saw, you know, the opportunity in DJing, just following your passion and doing what you love, just cause. And it's like, yeah. wow, you are really, you know, building a brand around just something that you're super passionate about and having fun with it too. You know, what I really like about your story is that you tested a lot of things and you decided what you liked and what you didn't like. And then you just followed what felt right with you and your journey. And that is super important. And I want to hear some of the like, 
things that stood out in certain areas that you liked and didn't like and kind of how you made the decisions of what you want to stick with and kind of how you wanted your journey to go? Yeah, um, you could ask the question. I, I don't mind because it's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of good and bad things that in this business that you kind of see, but go for it. Yeah, so pretty much like, you know, the club scene, the you know, corporate scene, the different, you know, private events, the festivals, like what are some pros and cons of each things? And, and which one do you like the most out of all the experiences? I just want to get some context for DJs that are considering, you know, what lane they should play in. And um, based on your experience with all of them, we're just curious, like, what did you like about some of them and what you didn't like anything that stood out? Yeah, that, that's super easy. So let's start with the first one. So when you're DJing, everyone has three goals either be a radio dj club dj or be a festival dj for me i'm still working on being a festival dj where i want to play festivals but at the same time i want to make music and and collaborate with other artists because that's what i'm doing now with this whole COVID thing obviously no one was able to play festivals some people were lucky to do backyard parties so my trans focus was more making beat production and making beats for like to collaborate with artists but now that things are opening up little by little, like let's say everything's back to normal. So the three things you said, clubs, private events, or festivals. Cool thing about clubs is you could DJ at any club and if you're really good, they'll take you. The only downfall with it is you gotta bring people. If you're playing for one hour, you most likely get 100, 120. That's what they say, but there's a catch to it. You have to bring at least 20, 20 people to 50 to get paid $100. So it's like, so you're making me, they want you to bring people just to play for one hour. And it's like, that's the only negative that I see to it. It's like, it's cool that you're able to play at different clubs and bars and they know you, you get in for free. But when you play, you have to bring this amount of people. Um, the bar I DJ is here in Alhambra, which I don't have to bring this amount of people I just tell my friends or my coworkers like, hey, I'm playing this day, come through. And they'll come through because they like the atmosphere. And that's how some clubs and bars are. Like your friends will go because if that atmosphere is like very friendly, very catering and the music's really good, they're going to show up. But if the owners are rude, if the servers are rude and the people are rude and the music is bad, people aren't going to come. So that's the only downfall with clubs and bars is you got to be somewhere where they won't take advantage of you. Everyone's treated very nicely because there's times that I've played for clubs that they said that they won't charge people, but I find out later they were charged at the entrance. So it's like, you got to be very selective what you do. If you want to play clubs, there's nothing wrong with it, but just know that if you want to win your $120 for that one hour, you're going to have to bring this amount of people. While doing corporate events, private events, I like those because if you need money, you charge at your rate. I started off doing gigs for 200 bucks. And sometimes they would go up to six hours. And some people would be like, that's too cheap. And I've seen other DJs that charge maybe a thousand to 2000 for four hours. So it really depends on private events. I like being fair where I charge maybe 125 per hour. Cause I don't do it for the money. I just do it so people can have fun. I incorporate lights, I incorporate speakers, I incorporate a DJ facade and sometimes a projector and a smog machine. And it's fun because we've done high school dances, we've done bachelor parties, we've done weddings, we've done quinces, it's fun. And then we charge at our own rate. And sometimes you want to help those people. Like maybe there's someone that wants a gig that's six hours and maybe I'm charging them 800. If we could meet like halfway, like maybe 
700, I'll do it. Because for me, sometimes private events, the money is there. It's always going to be there. But sometimes you have to be very selective because there's times that I've seen DJs charge $2,000 for an event and they don't, they have all the fancy stuff, but the music selection and mixing is not there. And it's like, I could have done this, not to sound a little arrogant. It's like, I could have done this for this amount and I would have done all this with, with what I have. And I've never had any bad feedback doing gigs with, with my DJ partner, uh, Jesse Works. So that's the cool thing about private events. Like you charge your rate. The only downfall that I see is that you gotta have clients. So it's important to have good um, invoices, a website they could reach you, a number, emails, all that. If all that is good, you'll be fine. And then if you're doing a good job and providing good services, they're gonna keep getting you or recommending to friends. So that's the cool thing about private is that as long as you have clients and let's say maybe you have four gigs in one month, like maybe one per Saturday and you're charging 500 each of them, that's $2,000 easy for what? Maybe let's say each gig was like four hours. So four times four, 16 hours and you're making $2,000. Heck, I'm doing 80 hours at my work and I'm barely making 2000 for every two weeks. Wouldn't you agree, Dar Darrell? Definitely, man. That's why it's amazing to be an entrepreneur and be able to set your own schedule and do these things. So that's why, you know, I love what DJs are doing. I love the fact that they have the freedom to build their business and provide value to their clientele and really work hard to, to build it and doing something that they love. And that's the beauty of it, man. Now, I'm super excited that, you know, you shared your insight on the different ways that DJs can navigate in the industry and the different things that they can do to build, you know, their career in this industry. I would love to hear, you know, what are some tips that you uh, have for DJs, <clears throat> those that are interested in getting into DJs, but they don't really know where to start? You know, what are some tips that like, you know now that you wish you kind of knew when you're just getting started? Easy. There's you're going to get bashed either way as a DJ, whether you know how to scratch, you're just a mixer or you're just pressing plays. Like we said, there's three types of DJs that you want to be a radio DJ, club DJ, or maybe four now club DJ, radio DJ, you're just doing private events or a festival DJ. When the one thing I wish I knew when I started was that if you want to be a festival DJ, you're going to have to know people because everyone wants to be the next Calvin Harris. Everybody wants to be the next DJ snake. Everybody wants to be the next excision um, marshmallow. They all want to be those people that we see at e these festivals, these festivals, even Daft Punk, even though they're retired. So the one thing I learned over the years from people that are hardcore, they love turntablism, they love scratching, they're battle DJs. And it's like, you got to know bit, you got to know everything about DJing. You got to know how it started. You got to at least pick up a record and see how it feels to scratch on turntables. Um, you got to know how playing on CDJs is because you have no laptop screen when you're DJing on CDJs. You just see a screen. It's everything by ear. Using controllers, I think controllers are really awesome. It's made the DJ game so much easier. Like for me as a mobile DJ, I could tell you like maybe in the span of five years I've been DJing, I've spent like maybe $8,000 on DJ gear. 
but because I'm always switching every year because I want to be up to date with everything. So I know how to play on turntables. I know how to play on CDJs and controllers. So the best advice I could tell anyone that wants to learn, that wants to be a DJ is like, okay, you got to know what you want to do. Do you just want to play on the radio? Do you want to be a club DJ, a festival? Okay, cool. It's best that you know how to play on everything because there's going to be, if you're a club DJ, it's not going to be just CDJs. You're going to know how to, you need to know how to play on turntables and an S9 mixer or a Rain mix, maybe Rain 62 mixer. If you don't know how to play on turntables, it's like, um, that's a huge downfall because you got to have needles with you. You got to carry your laptop and you know how playing on turntables, that turntable is not like a MIDI controller where you take your hand off and the music is going. No, you got to push the record forward. Or if you accidentally move the needle, your sound is cut off. So it's very important to like know how to play on controllers, CDJs and turntables. So that's the best advice I could say. Someone that's starting is like, you got to know what you want to do. You got to know it, what setup you want to play on. And then lastly, if you want to be really serious and go to the next level, that's where production comes where you're either making bootlegs, remixes or your own stuff. Great advice, man. I know people that are interested in getting started are going to definitely appreciate um, your advice and Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what they can do to actually get this experience because, you know, it's expensive to get all this equipment. What are some ways that people can learn um, on, on a low budget just to kind of test the waters? That's easy. Like like me, like I spent $500 on the X Pioneer SX2 mixer. Back then it was a thousand. I got it for $500 used crack screen and I made some I made a lot of money using that. Um, the best advice I could tell you is do your research. Don't go buying the, I like, I like Denon. Um, I have nothing against Pioneer. I've played on so many Pioneers, but for me, Denon's like a cheaper alternative, but you get the job done. So like my example is don't go buying the Pioneer CDJ setup. That's like $9,000, like start small. Like you got it. Like we said earlier, you got to know what you want to do. If you want to be a battle DJ, you are obviously going to need a good either best people are going to say you need turntables, obviously, it's like, yeah, so you could get the feel because that's what it is. But there's some MIDI controllers that that crossfader is really smooth, that you could do a lot of transformer scratches, fader scratches, even crab scratches. So for me, like, I don't like the best crossfaders on the controller that I could think of off the top of my head is the Pioneer 1000, that crossfader is really smooth. Um, if you want something like similar to turn, it's basically controller, but the turntable jog wheels are there. Um, Rain came out with the new controller that it's actually basically a turntable, just smaller and then the mixer. So it's just, you gotta know like what you want. Cause there's people that I've seen by like the Hercules and they're making great mashups and and it's really tiny. So the best way you could go about it is, like I said, do your research. Like there's like different like controllers. There's Denon, there's Pioneer, there's Rain, um, there's Newmark. Most people forget about Newmark. And then you could go on OfferUp. There's people selling their DJ gear because life hits. Because right now, like with COVID, people are trying to find ways to make money. So go on OfferUp, go on Craigslist, eBay. Eh, I would just be kind of skeptical but offer up i've sold dj equipment on offer up and like i'll post it in one day within three or four days i've already sold it so offer up is the best way or facebook market 
that's a, that's another way too. But yeah, like there's nothing wrong with starting on a two hundred, five hundred dollar controller because you're getting the feel. You're learning. Some people use effects, some people don't. Some people just rely on lowering the knobs and then transitioning out. Or if you want like a little controller that you don't need a power source, that all you do is connect it to your laptop and you're just messing around with it, just getting a feel. That's fine. Like those go to a hundred, two hundred dollars. $200. But if you want to go straight into like mobile DJing, there's nothing wrong with getting a controller that's like a, in the thousand range. But you just got to do your research because like eventually like I started at a $500 controller and I moved up to a $3,000 setup, which my Denon SC5000 gives me a CDJ and vinyl feel at the same time. And then I have a 18,000 Denon mixer. All I did was I switched the crossfader to um innovator which i like scratching so i need my crossfader to be very buttery smooth especially when i do my transformer and crap and chirp scratch those are my two favorites wow man so yeah start small and work your way up as you build your business as you build your skill set as you get more clientele and more revenue into your business i really love the advice that you're giving it's really tangible for people to just grasp and, and utilize and be able to to to, to work on you know, starting today. So great job on, on sharing that information. You know, I want to talk about how you go about building a brand. And I think that you do a phenomenal job with building your brand, um, especially how you looped it into your story as well. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what is your brand and, you know, tell me a little bit about how DJs should go about thinking about building theirs. So your brand is very important. Like you said, um, when I was in music production school for a year, um, I was connected with um, one of the marketing guys called um, Marcel. It's Marcel. Yeah, it was Marcel. The first thing he told me was your brand, your image is what matters. You don't, if you're very high on social media, if you're really out there in social media, it's best you just make two accounts. For in this case, we were doing a DJ business. So it's better if you have a separate account that is all your DJ business. And then the other account could be your personal life because your image is very important because people are sensitive out there. So you don't want to say something that might offend them. Like you don't want to talk about politics on your music website or your, let's say Instagram. Like you don't want to talk about any of that on your brand because you don't want to give off that bad image of you. So best advice is if you're making a separate if you're making a brand keep it music related if you're making mixes post your mixes on your social media on your website if you're posting images of how the party is going do that that's fine if you're like making podcasts like what you're doing do that keep it on your music page you can still promote it on your personal but you don't want to put your boyfriend or girlfriend on your DJ page, maybe they're rocking your brand. That's that's nothing wrong. I have people, I have friends that I've given shirts for free and they wear it. And then I post it on our Just Cuz page. I don't have a personal account. I just have two accounts, which one is for the music group I have and then my DJ cast on Instagram. But I don't post anything that's like my family or my friends. I just keep it more music related. And maybe then and there I'll throw like, I'm... Um, doing boxing because I box a lot or that I'm doing like videos with other artists. I'll be doing that. But yeah, your brand is important because one, it's your image. You don't want to give out the a bad vibe or bad interpretation of yourself and just keep being professional. 
like like we said you just don't want to be putting stuff on your band that's going to ruin it because you don't want to make your logo that's really inappropriate you don't want a slogan that's like really inappropriate and you don't want like stuff that's in your page that's really inappropriate either because like we said nowadays people are really sensitive to what you put maybe you might think it's not being a direct shot or it's not a, a bad intention that you're doing but someone else might will and then and this is a domino effect that it leads to other things so that's the best advice i could give you is like when you're starting your brand be very careful that what you're gonna do and that's about it great advice man and your brand is your asset that helps you get more business so i love what you're doing with your brand you're doing a wonderful job and and even being on this podcast is a part of your brand it's part of your story and you're telling it very well man you know i'd love for you to tell us you know what ways can me and my audience you know help you and support you and your company what are some things that you're looking to do now and in the future well obviously with covid we all got affected that some of us lost their revenue because some of us use DJing as like a huge revenue. Me, fortunately, I have like a full-time job. So I, I decide when I want to do a private event. If there's like a festival, like let's say if Coachella was happening again this year and I got and I got an email saying if I want to play again, I'll be like, yeah, I'll go. I, I'm very selective now at this point what I want to do. Um, how it could help me is like, yeah, if I have music that's going to come out on Spotify, like take a listen. If you like it, share it. If you didn't like it, like send me an email or send me like a DM like, hey, I feel like you could have done this and this. I'm always open to feedback because at the end of the day, I want to grow as not just as a DJ, but I'm also as a producer and artist. I want to grow. Like when I started DJing, I, I always ask people for feedback. And sometimes I never got feedback. They're like, oh, it's dope. It's good. That's not going to help me. I want to get better. I'd rather have someone tell me, hey, it was good, but I noticed you did this and this wrong and you could have done this and this better. I'm like, yeah, cool. I, that's what I want. So me being on this podcast and me explaining everything that I've done, you could see that I'm always wanting to grow. Like people resharing my music, people like, hey, this guy's done this. You should check it out. That's that's all I think that could help me is that basically like, oh, just check his stuff out. If you like it, cool. Repost it, send it. If you don't like it, just send him a comment. I'm not going to get offended. Be like, hey, thank you for the beat feedback. I'm sorry that you felt this way. Hopefully I won't do that again. Awesome, brother. And feedback is how we grow. So I'm going to definitely check you out and support however ways I can. And at this time, are you ready to jump into the lightning round? Go for it. I'm ready. Describe your DJ setup, hardware and software. Depends on the event. If it's a private event, I use a Roland DJ 808 and a Mac 2011 laptop. Besides yourself, who's your favorite DJ? Do I, can I give you the top five or just one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, my top five. Um, DJ wise, A-Track, Craze, Layback Luke, Calvin Harris, and DJ AM, rest in peace. He just turned 48 yesterday, I think. What has been your favorite party or event you've DJed at and why? I think my favorite party I've ever DJed was the 6 to 6 Night Market, which it's like a middle-class neighborhood. Everyone comes to eat. But when me and Jesse works, just jump on. We're just throwing random like music. It's just seeing how a huge community like just comes to the dance floor, it just starts dancing. I think doing those events has been so much fun and it tests us and it teaches you how to read a crowd because if you're playing the wrong music, 
that crowd is gone. But if you're doing some, if you're playing good music and they're still there and nothing bad has happened, you're doing something right. Who's the most interesting person you've met through DJing? Hmm. Through DJing, I've met my two favorite idols, um, Yellow Claw, that I follow them. Uh, I've seen them play at EDC. They were here in LA for a pop-up store. I literally ditched class. I waited in line just to see them. And that was the last one to like meet them in person. So through DJing, I met them. Like I met my idols, my gods. Like I didn't like freeze or I didn't like scream. I was just like, whoa. And then they just talked to me, very humble people. And then it felt amazing. I felt like I was on the top of the world because these guys I like look up to, I've seen them play, I wear their merch. And then for me to meet them in person and talk to them, it was like, I felt I was like on top of the world. What's one thing that you think is missing from live streaming for DJs? I think with live streaming, I wish that it would give you that option where people, you could see people's faces that are tuned in. Kind of like what they were doing in basketball, that in the crowd, you could see the people that were there virtually. So I wish live streaming could do that, that you're playing and you could see the people like are there if they're vibing or not. Cause that's going to teach you too how to read a crowd. Cause if you are live streaming and you have people watching you and yeah, you can read the comments, but I'd rather see their faces where it's like, Hey, is it working or not? Cause you could have people just staring at you like, okay. And there's other people you see them like, yeah, I like this. So that it'll be a good way. So you can read the crowd. I wish live streaming could do that. Shout out to DJs, you know, personally, Whose story needs to be also shared on this podcast? Let's see. Obviously, Jesse works. He's been in the game for years. I'm very thankful he's taking me under his wing where I learned scratching through him. I learned how to do parties through him. I want to give another shout out to Beltron. Um, I auto-engineer his radio show. Very cool radio show where he brings underground beats where it's um it's just crazy um nostalgia radio all the way and i guess our group just because because even though we've been doing this for almost three years um i've had fun just making beats with the group and seeing what we've done and with my other partner and just because like it's been fun because we're all over the place and we're just doing what we want to do we're always going to get feedback that all you guys are all over the place. No one would take you seriously. And it's like, hey, we're having fun with what we're doing. Like we'd rather be open format that we could do anything than being stuck in one genre. Awesome, man. We look forward to hearing their stories. Uh, and any DJs interested in being on the show, they can sign up at djsignup.com. And brother, where can people find you online or even in person if you're still doing events? Yeah, easy. If you guys want to find me, I will always be on Instagram called djcast underscore. Um, I'm on TikTok, so on TikTok, I'm always making funny videos. So same thing, DJCast underscore underscore. So you could always find me on either or. And you guys ever need feedback or advice, always send me uh, a message. I will always reply. I'm not the type to leave you on scene. I will always re reply. If you want to give me feedback, go for it. If you want advice, I'll give it to you. If you want to tell me I suck, go for it. I'm not going to get offended. <laughs> Awesome, brother. This has been an amazing interview. And everyone, please check out DJ Cass. He's really doing it. Young brother doing really well in the game and super passionate about what he's doing. So please support him. We appreciate you being on the show, sharing your story, dropping gems. And uh, great job. Thank you for having me.